Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Radio. I am your host, Mike, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chase, and I think we got Boog Powell on the show right now. Boog, is that you? Yep. Hey, how are we doing today, Boog? Good. How are you? I can't complain, man. Hey, it's great to have you on the show. First off, uh, Chase, Boog Powell, Boog, Chase. How's it going, Mark? How's it going? How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well, especially after the Seahawks win. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, so again, welcome to a little bit of an earlier edition of the Seattle Sports Talk podcast. Uh, had to start a little early due to uh, work issues. Got a little bit of a work scheduled tonight, but we do have uh, Mariners, uh, new Mariner, Boog Powell. And let me first off say, Boog, um, you by far have the coolest name in baseball. Thank uh, I'm not, you. I'm not going <laughs> to argue with you, man. You got the coolest name in baseball. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a nickname, but uh, my my real name I don't know if you know, but it, my real name is Herschel McCall the Fourth, and then That's, my parents kind of just gave me the nickname Boog as a kid, and it kind of stuck. Hey, so, is there a story behind that, or just was that something they just 
take is boom. There's there's not really a story. I mean, my my parents just gave me the nickname when I was a kid, and I, I used to hate it. And then my dad coached me in baseball um, when I was a kid, and then I started – and then so my baseball friends started calling me Boog because my dad would, and then I went to school with my baseball friends, so they would call me Boog. And then other friends at school would hear them call me Boog, so they would call me Boog, and it kind of just grew, and it stuck ever since um, – I think I started going by it when I was in fourth grade, fifth grade. Dang. Hi. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, first off, again, Boog, it's great to have you on the show. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I know I know that we do have you just for a brief, a little bit of a short time, but first off, let's go ahead and get in to, you know, you as a player. I mean, Boog Powell was traded earlier this year, uh, just a couple months ago, uh, along with Nate Carnes and C.J. Raffenhauser. And C.J. Raffenhauser was actually traded just, uh, just this last week. Uh, but Boog, first off, I mean, what, what was your reaction when you, when you, when you heard that you were traded to Seattle and, you know, what was your initial thought about coming to this organization as well? Um, I've, I've heard nothing but good things for, about the Mariners organization. And as soon as I found out I got traded, I, I couldn't have been happier. I mean, it was just a great opportunity, and seeing what DePoto, how he wants to rebuild the team with athleticism and athleticism and speed, it just it. I set the profile, and I'm I'm just excited to be a part of the Mariners organization. That's that's what we love to hear, man. And funny thing, the funny thing about Boog Powell, if you guys didn't know, Boog Powell was also traded to the Rays for two. Uh, one former Mariner and one current Mariner. He was in the trade in just this past year in January uh, with John Jaso and Daniel Robertson. Uh, Robertson, who is now with the Mariners, or oh no, that's, no, they're a different Daniel Robertson. Yeah, that's a different Daniel Robertson. My fault, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but John Jaso, first off, former Mariner, but but yeah, Boog. I mean, again, it's great to have you in this organization, and we're glad that you, you know we can have you in this organization well, and we do expect good things from you. And another thing is, is that, uh, you know, all, all we have heard when, and this was the first real initial move that missed, that Jerry DePoto made. And first off, he unloaded Brad Miller, who was, uh, you know, kind of Brad Miller, Logan Morrison and Danny Farquhar. Really, I know they're former players right now, but they were kind of just a little bit weighing the team down, but, you know, you come along with uh, Nate Nate Kearns and you know C.J. Uh, Raffenhauser. He's uh, over to the Orioles now. But you know you and Carnes. I mean, first off, we're expecting great things from both you and Carnes. And again, we're so excited to have you on uh, with this team now. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm couldn't be more excited to be part of it. So I gotta I gotta ask, man, are you modeling your game? At all after the original Boog Powell, the first baseman for the Orioles. Wait, I couldn't understand that. Sorry. Uh, do you do you model your game at all after the the uh, the first the Boog Powell from the Baltimore Orioles? One hundred percent no. <laughs> he was a, he he was a power hitter. He was just, he was a, he was just trying to hit home runs every bat. That's I don't even try to hit 
a home run one at that. Hey, we All like right. we like that man. And and first off, you know, uh, we're glad again. I I just can't say of how happy we are to have you in this organization because you know you you so far you've had nothing but good things to say about this organization, and now you are with a team that has Felix Hernandez, Robinson Cano, Kyle Seeger, a lot of stars, and Nelson Cruz as well. But now you're going to be going into a spring training where there's going to be a lot of competition between you and the other outfielders. I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about going into, you know, spring training and and thinking, hey, I've got a chance to make the 25-man roster right off the bat, but I've got to compete with a bunch of other guys first? I just... I, I know my place, and, I mean, I'm the underdog right now. I, I don't have any big league experience. A lot of the other guys do, and I just I just got to work my butt off and earn my spot. Yeah, definitely. We, hey, we can't we can't wait for you to, uh, you know, start doing this with with this team. We're, we're really excited for spring training, first off. Chase, you got anything for Boog? Yeah, man. I mean, great to have you here, and uh, – I guess just do you do you think you have a I mean I, I hope you would think you have a shot to make it. We'd love to see you make it. Um starting starting in the roster. Where do you see I guess my question to you is where do you see yourself fitting in like a batting order? I've I've always been a leadoff hitter, so I mean I I would love to be a leadoff hitter, but if it, that's the manager's decision whether he wants to put me at 1, 2 or 9. That's that's normally where I'd fit in, but nine is pretty much the second leadoff hitter. So I I mean I just want to play. Put 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 me Fair wherever enough. in the lineup and I'll play. Fair enough, man. I like that. I like that mentality. Definitely. And we just have some breaking news right now from uh, Jim Bowden from ESPN. Hisashi Iwakuma is now no longer a Seattle Mariner. He is a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Unfortunate move right here where the Mariners could not get Hisashi Wakuma. We are reporting it to you first. Uh, well, technically we're reporting to you from second, but yeah, Hisashi Wakuma is now a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. We want to thank Hisashi Wakuma for all his time here in Seattle and all the memories he's given us, especially that no-hitter from last year. <laughs> but uh, getting back to you, Boog, uh, you know, I'm looking at your stats right here, and I've seen – all you've done in the minors is just do well in hitting. I mean, I've only I'm looking at you know your four seasons in every single one of your minor league seasons, and I've only seen you hit below 280 once, and that was last year at AAA. I mean, what is it that you, what is it that you know you think about when you or what is it that you have thought about since coming into this league? I mean, again, you have never hit below 280 except for last year in AAA. But again, you know, you've got a lifetime batting average in all in all in your minor leagues of 307. So, do you want to bring that to this Mariners organization and bring it to, you know, the 25-man roster as well? 100%. I. I mean, my my goal up there is to see as many pitches as I can and be patient, wait for my pitch, and just find a gap and get on base for the guys right behind me. Yeah, hey, that's – you can't ask for more than that. Um, we also just yeah. want to ask 
Can we ask you about this? I know it is. I, you probably have been asked a bunch a bunch of times for this, but uh, in July you were tested uh, or suspended for 50 games for testing positive for amphetamine. I mean, after that incident, I mean, what was going through your mind after that? I mean, were you just saying, hey, I just made this one mistake, and now I've learned from it, and now I want to get back to baseball? I mean, I mean, what was what was your thought process after that? I mean, first off, you know, we we. We don't judge anybody here for for steroids, really, except for Barry Bonds. That's the only one we judge. <laughs> yeah, it, it it wasn't steroids, but uh, no, it was it was just one mistake, and unfortunately, it happened. And you learn from your mistakes, and I learned from my mistake, and I know it'll never happen again. And uh, I was thankful enough for the A's to give me the opportunity to go to the fall league because I've missed those 50 games, and that kind of made up for it. And the Fall League was an amazing experience. It was – I can't even express that, just being with all those guys, a lot of them now in the big leagues. But it, it was just – you know, it was just a mistake, and it happened, but pass it now and just move forward. Yeah, and, and while while we're on the topic, Boog, uh do you mind mentioning or talking a little bit about the whole, I mean, the whole steroid era seems to have died down a, a big deal in, in the MLB. Um, so if you, like, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on how that whole era kind of, kind of went down? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad they're, they're raising up, the awareness for it and making sure people don't take it and I'm glad people aren't taking it and getting suspended for it. It's it's cheating. And cheating cheating is not a part of baseball. You shouldn't cheat. You shouldn't do all that, but if you do then you take the risk of getting pop for it. And and on that note actually, what about Alex Rodriguez? You know, arguably one of the better players in MLB history. Barry Bonds hasn't made the Hall of Fame yet. Do you think A. Rod's got a shot? Yes and no. Just depending on what everyone thinks and how how it all works out. But A. Rod is an amazing player. I was actually I actually caught a fly ball from him during spring training last year. That was kind of that was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean he's a he's a great player. I mean, with steroids or not, he's he's a great player. Do you think possibly this year, after being suspended for the whole year, having such a, a as good of a year that he did this year, that that may have helped his odds a little bit? Maybe maybe got him in in uh, in more favor. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, getting on to the Hall of Fame, we know you got to get going here in a couple minutes. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. The Mariners have two guys. Uh, going or on the ballot this year for the Hall of Fame. One is a no-doubter, but one has been uh, really struggling to even get into the Hall of Fame due to the fact that he has played a position that not, that not a lot of people consider, you know, a big part of baseball, and that's Edgar Martinez, of course. I, I want your take on Edgar Martinez and, you know, should, you know, is he a Hall of Famer? In your In your opinion, is Edgar Martinez a Hall of Famer. And before you answer that, let me just say this. Um, 
Jackie Robinson has his, has an award named after him, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Cy, Cy Young has an award, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Edgar Martinez has an award. And, of course, there's that's where it stops. So let me go ahead and get your thoughts on that, Boog. Uh, yeah, uh, 100%. I, I mean, I, he's my hitting coach for now. And I'll be seeing him in about two weeks just to go over hitting and stuff. But, yeah, he is definitely a Hall of Famer. He's a great guy, and he played the game of baseball right, and it was amazing to watch him. Definitely. And, uh, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, I've got to ask you this. I mean, is it? we've asked uh, many guys that have come on the podcast in the last few weeks, you know, uh, this, and we're hoping to get the same answer from you as well. But if Ken Griffey Jr. does not get at least 99% of the votes, I mean, do you think there's something seriously wrong with that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. He is one of the greatest hitters of all time. Oh, my God, Boog. I love you, man. I, love, <laughs> I seriously love you, man. Fun fact of the day right here is before every game – since for the past two years, two seasons, I've listened to My Oh My by Malcolm Moore before oh. every game. Okay, now that's it. You are official. You, <laughs> you, you've been a Mariner for the past two years, even though you haven't been on the team, man. Exactly. It's it, it's it's pretty crazy to – I mean, I know every word of that song and put on my headphones and take a little minute and just listen to that song and it fires me up. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy that now I'm – playing on the team that that song is after. Definitely. And, hey, we know you got to get going uh, right now, but, hey, Boog, we do want to thank you so much for being on the show just for the little time that you were on here. Um, we really do hope to get you back on the show, hopefully within the next maybe few months or so for a little bit longer uh, in-depth interview. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, definitely. And first off, Boog, uh, I saw that you were actually tweeting from the Anaheim Ducks game a few weeks ago. Are you a big Ducks fan? Yeah, I uh... – when I was a kid, me, me and my parents had um, uh, season tickets, so we'd we'd always go. And then it kind of, I mean, with baseball and sports and everything, it kind of conflicted with that. So we gave up the season tickets. But every time I'm back in California, I'm always trying to go to Ducks games. Love it. Okay, dude, I I I love you even more now. I'm a huge Ducks <laughs> and. Hopefully next time that we do get you on the show, if we can do a longer in-depth, we got to talk Ducks hockey as well. But, hey, again, thank you so much for be, for taking, you know, a little time to be on the show here. Again, we do hope to get you back on the show very soon. And, again, we wish you nothing but the best uh, for this upcoming season, and we wish you good luck in your spring training as well. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it for having me on here. Hey, no problem. All right. All right. Have a good one, man. Have a good one. You too. All right, all so right. there's, all right, so there's Boog Powell right there, guys. Uh, Got to thank him again for coming on the show. Uh, Chase, I mean, how was that, man? I mean, even though we got to spend just ten minutes with, with Boog, uh, you know, that was just that, that was just a fun interview right there. Even ten minutes, I will say that. Uh, that's that's. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite. He's definitely one of my favorite Mariners, man. Boog, thank you. You know, every word to, to My Oh My by Maxmore, you listen to it before every game. I mean, man, holy crap. And now he's a Mariner, like officially. Oh, yeah. I mean, Great. this is 
this is this is just awesome, you know, to have a guy just like this. It, it I don't know, man. It's it's kind of baffling, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I really hope he makes the team. And just, I mean, the fact that he's—you said it right, man. He's—he's he's a Mariner through and through. You can't—you can't not be a Mariner. You know, every time I listen to that song, they, every time Dave Niehaus comes out on the uh, uh, that Dave Niehaus starts playing, I just get shivers down my whole spine. And I actually, not gonna lie, every time I listen to that song, I get a little tear in my eye because. I remember I remember watching that, man. I do. It was great. Yep. And and here's the thing, like the day that uh I found out about, you know, Dave's passing, you know, I actually went down to or over to uh Safeco Field. I put a little bit of flower I paid my respects there. I I mean it and it took me about maybe twenty minutes to even get away from the stadium because I was crying so hard because it's you know, even though here's the thing, even though that you have not um, you've never, I've met Dave Niehaus in person, but even though he was never a friend of mine, you know, it still hurts to know that we have, that not just myself, but all the Mariner fans have lost the man who brought them so much joy in calling Mariners baseball over the past 40 years, base, or near 40 years. Yeah, yeah, man. It's great. I mean, I love that they have a, uh, the statue dedicated to him out in center field, and I try and take a picture with it every time I'm out there because, I mean, that's my way of paying respect. Great, man. Definitely. And I will say this, the Mariners, they do have to uh, update their uh, – actually, as a matter of fact, here's the bad part. Um, their 40-man roster has been updated. Hisashi Wakuma no longer on the Mariners' uh, staff, but let's go ahead and talk about that. I mean – What's your reaction to this, man? I mean, first off, me, I'm very, I'm, I'm a little upset now because now we will not have uh, basically a one-two-three punch in the rotation. And by one-two-three punch, I, I don't think a lot of people will maybe understand where I'm coming from. But um, I, I will say this: Taiwan Walker is my number two starter. Yeah, I mean it's. It's a shame. I love you, Akuma. Uh, it something tells me we got something in the books for uh, another starting pitcher. I mean, Cueto's down in Arizona now. Be, it would have been great to get him, but that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Well, I mean, we'll see who, is, who else is on the market. The Cueto's are making big moves. Yeah, definitely. And and here's the thing. I'm try, I've been trying to get Ty on the show for a long time, but here's the thing, Ty. I know if you are listening to this, man. I want to say this. I believe in you. Chase believes in you. Seattle believes in you. You are our number two starter, man. We all believe in you. We saw what you were capable of last year. You, I know what you can do. I know what Ty can do. We saw what he could do. He, last year, he basically, he had a tough start. He had a tough first half, or first uh, eight games. But after that, he was locked down. That lockdown that we saw from Taiwan Walker, that's the Taiwan Walker that was expected to be with the Seattle Mariners organization. And I know that this upcoming year, he's going to be ready. He's ready to take this the responsibility of being, you know, possibly a number three or number two starter if the Mariners were to get another pitcher, um, another pitcher on the market. But again, you know, 
again, Ty, if you are listening, if you're not listening, I want to say this. I believe in you, man. I've got faith in you. I am with you all the way, and I support you all the way. And I want to say this, man. You're my number two starter. If I'm Scott Servius, you're my number two starter. If I'm Jerry Depoto, you're my number two starter. If I was managing that club, you're my number two starter. I don't care what other people say. You are my number two starter. I would put you behind Felix Hernandez any damn day of the week. Yeah, you see, Flash, we've seen flashes of greatness from him. Every time he comes up to the majors, you see that that little spark that that shows me that show that should show the the Mariners organization that he is possible, or it is possible for him to uh, to to be successful. And he's just got to harness that and 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 be consistent year round. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you can say it. I believe in him. I believe he can do it. I don't think that with um, that anybody couldn't, you know, with enough hard work and dedication and, and practice. You know, the saying practice makes perfect or, or practice makes permanent, depending on who your coach was growing up. Uh, and the Mariners have good coaches. So I, I, I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible, too. Uh, first off, let, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the free agency. First off, um, let's talk about this Zach Granke deal. Um, this contract was insane. I get that Zach Granke is a good pitcher, but come on. He is not worth $205.6 million. That's basically a million dollars a start. He's not that type of pitcher. Clayton Kershaw is that type of pitcher. Felix Hernandez is that type of pitcher. But not Zach Greinke. I know he had a great season last year, but come on. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a big reason the Dodgers have been so good the the past, I don't even know how many years. He's just been, he's consistent is what it is. He's He's a consistent guy and he consistently puts up good numbers. But I can understand that, you know, you want a star like that in your I mean he is a star, let's let's be real, he's a star. So you wanna you want someone like that in your lineup. All star for three years, all star for three years. Cy Young second in Cy Young voting last year. And he's got a gold glove too. I mean the guy he's a Cy Young winner. And he won it in two thousand nine, so I can't I can't be mad at him for asking and getting that much money. No, but I will say this. Um I will say that um the reason why Zach Granke was as good as he was, here's the thing. He's a good pitcher. All right. I'm not I'm not going to give I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that Zach Granke is perhaps one of the top ten one of the top pitchers in the league. Possibly the top ten. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and put him in the top ten due to the fact that there there is better pitchers than he is. You can't argue with that, but here's the thing. The reason why he was so good was because he had a lineup that was consi- that had consistent hitters in that lineup and actually drove in runs for him. They gave him great run support. The Diamondbacks, look, here's the thing. The Diamondbacks are a young team. But they are not that good of a team, and I tell you this, they are not going to put up that many runs. Once in a while, they will put up 10 runs, 
or maybe even seven. But it, the Dodgers. Let, let me go ahead and look this up real quick. Uh, uh, Chase, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say he's not a great pitcher, man. Um, I'm looking up the the top uh, per per year salaries, and it looks like for 2016, Grinky's not even in the top ten. Um, maybe and maybe this list hasn't been updated yet. Uh, Felix Hernandez is number four actually, at uh, twenty five point eight million dollars. I don't mind Felix being a number four. Who's number one right now, though? Uh, you want to take a guess? Kershaw. Yep. Mm. Followed by David. Kershaw makes thirty-four million a year, thirty-four-five. Followed by David Price at thirty, and Justin Verlander uh, at three. And top five is rounded out by CC Sebastia, twenty-five million dollars a year. Jeez Louise, that's just ridiculous. So. I'm trying to find a little bit of statistics right here for the Diamondbacks for the 2000. Oh, hold on. Go hold ahead. Hold on. Here we go. Zach Greinke makes $34 million a year, so that would put him, as of this contract, that would put him in second. Oh, wow. Second, yeah, by $100 million a year behind Clayton Kershaw. So there you go. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So Now, next question is, is Zach Greinke the second best pitcher in the MLB? No. I don't think he's the second best. I mean, to be truly honest, I don't know who put that um, – I don't know who made that list, but here's the thing. This is off SportTrack.com, by the way, just to, to cite sources. Who is it? SportTrack.com, to, to cite my source. This website – that this list is from SportTrack. Okay, well, I will say this. Look, here's the thing. Clayton Kershaw and Felix Hernandez, those are my top pitchers. Like, I don't I don't know how you cannot put Felix Hernandez in the top 3 because yes, he had a yes, he had a rough season, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be one of that that doesn't mean he's not going to still prove that he's an elite pitcher in baseball. Felix Hernandez, he is an elite pitcher. Whether you think so or not, He's one of those guys that you can throw out there every day and have confidence enough and say, hey, he's going to throw a perfect game, or hey, he's going to throw a no-hitter, or hey, he's going to do a complete game shutout or just a complete game. He's going to give us seven innings. He's going to give us seven-plus innings. And we and he's going to give us a chance to win a game, every game that he goes out there. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, you know, the fact that Felix has that perfect game, and he also has that streak where he's, he's – um, the the longest streak that you want you go out with a ultra quality start seven pitches or seven innings less than two runs two or less runs scored so I I would definitely consider him the at least the top three and you know Clayton Kershaw is very dominant I I would I would say Clayton Kershaw and Felix Hernandez I'm gonna have to agree with you they're top two pitchers in uh, in starting pitchers anyways in the MLB yeah. Well, looking looking here at the uh, the free agent list, I'm looking at this. Doug Fister and Chris Young, those are two guys that stands out to me. They're free agents right now, along with Dan Heron. Or, excuse me, no, Dan Heron, he actually announced his retirement. My my fault. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Guthrie, he's available. So there's three good pitchers that you can still pick up out there. Uh, Wee Yin Chen, there was talk about him. You know, he's another possibility for the Seattle Mariners to pick up. 
Yeah, you know, I actually, you know, Doug Fisher's a former Mariner. I'd love to have him back. I don't really know why we traded him in the first place. Thanks, uh, thanks, Obama. Obama? You mean Bavese? Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh my but, god. Uh, <laughs> um, also looking on the free agent list, we also see uh, John Lackey is a free agent. Matt Latos is a free agent. Tim Lincecum's even a free agent. Now, first off, I would love Tim Lincecum maybe as a starter, but he may not have uh, the discipline anymore to be a starter. But, you know, the other guys that I named off, and also Scott Casimir, he's a free agent. So, But Lackey and Latos, those are two guys that, along with Mike Leake, I'll even put in Mike Leake and Cliff Lee, those are, those are four guys that you could possibly sign. I mean, those. I mean, they may need may not even want as much money as you think. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it'd be great to have a, a former UW guy in uh, in Lindsay come back in Seattle. I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. I would I would love having him here. Uh, Cliff, we we tried we tried that once already, and it didn't really end so well. To be honest with you, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yep. And we're also I getting. Probably, I think what we're probably gonna, what they're probably gonna do is uh, Dakota's gonna trade somebody. You know, he's that seems to be the thing. He hasn't really gone after any free agents. He's just been trading. So I think yep. that's, I think that's the the long term plan. Yeah, definitely. And here's some more news for Mariner, for Mariner fans. Former Mariners first base coach Chris Woodward will be joining Dave Roberts' staff with the Dodgers. So, hmm, hey, Chris, that's not close to home. That's not close to Miami, dude. So what's going on here, you know? Strangely, this is, this is starting to get even more and more funny, that the fact that Kuma left and now Chris Woodward is going to – to the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are trying to steal all the Mariners now. Well, that's something. I mean, if you're going to take our players that we don't want, by all means. Yeah. So let's go ahead and look up the, uh, let's go ahead and look up the last transaction, a little bit of the transactions that the Mariners have had in this past week. Busy, busy week. First off, the the Mariners traded uh, Mark Trumbo and C.J. Reffenhauser, and strangely enough, Reffenhauser wasn't even here that long. That's what gets me. He wasn't even here that long. But uh, So they trade him and Trumbo for Steve Clevenger, and first off, I like this deal. I really like this deal um, because I've heard a lot of good things about Steve Clevenger, and looking at his stats right here, uh, you know, He's done well in hitting. He did really well in hitting last year. His progression got better last year than the past uh, previous four years. In the 30 games that he played with Baltimore, he had uh, 101 in at-bats, two home runs, 15 RBIs, 287 batting average. So there's a little bit of positive, but his uh, career average is 228. So, But I will say this, it's still better than what uh, Mike Zanino will hit. That, of course, I mean, that's interesting, though, because the Mariners have now picked up so many catchers that we have the same problem we had in the outfield last year is we had an overload of outfielders mm-hmm. that we picked up in the offseason. And now we have Chris Iannetta, we have Steve Clevenger, 
And on top of that, we still have Duke Zanino, and I'm blanking on the name. And we picked up, I know we picked up one more catcher, like last week. Yeah, uh, we, oh. got, we got uh, Chris Ionetta. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we picked up one more, though. Maybe maybe I'm mistaken. Um, no. But um, that's, have... I mean, that's four names that could, I, I you know, Zanino's not going to start, but Ducre, Ionetta, and now Clevenger has, I mean, they're going to be all competing for a for a spot there, and I don't know how you don't give it to Ionetta almost automatically. Yeah, I mean, first off, I think, first off, I'm going to say this. I trust Depoto. I, I, I think he does know what he's doing. So I'm pretty sure that Chris Ionetta is going to be our starter. He's going to be our starter no matter what. Um, also going down the list of transactions, the Mariners traded third baseman Patrick Kivlihan to the Rangers as the player to be in, to be named later in the uh, trade last month for Leonis Marte. And first off, I'm not liking this trade uh, due to the fact that Patrick Kivlihan does play first base, so he could have been um, he could have been a first baseman. Um, not liking the uh, who we gave up for him because. You know, Patrick Kivlihan, he was coming into his own in AAA, and he actually was very close to making this. I would actually have him making this team next year. It all depends on how you do in spring training. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things that maybe he – first of all, I want to say that I was excited for him to, to get a shot up at the majors. I think he, with enough practice and training, he could have made a, a big impact. but. Obviously, the photo's seeing something that that we're not. You know, he's a big sabermetrics guy, and I'm I'm honestly not a sabermetrics guy at all. Uh, those advanced statistics uh, kind of go beyond my math ability. Uh, yeah. So, so there's I mean, there's something there. There's something there, and depending on who we get for him, then we'll see. Yeah, definitely. But I'm, I'm going to agree with you that. I wish we could have stayed on, uh, or we, we we could have stayed with him a little bit longer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, the Mariners uh, decided to DFA John Hicks, and the Minnesota Twins go ahead and pick him up. Uh, first off, I mean, here's the thing. I think uh, in this situation, I think uh, Depoto saw that Steve Barron was possibly the better choice out of the two guys that you know were that they were looking at last year. Both of them did not get many plate appearances. Uh, Barron, though, however, did not have, uh, in 11 at-bats, didn't even have a hit. Hicks did. But, you know, a little confusing there. But, you know, moving on to, you know, two days or the next day, Mariners go ahead and sign Nori Aoki. This is something uh, I, this is the big deal that I think a lot of fans were looking for. But, again, let me go ahead and point this out. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, nine guys in the outfield on the 40-man roster, and we have five guys in the catchers on the 40-man roster. So this is going to be difficult. This is tough because, again, you know, first off, I'm wishing Boog, again, nothing but the best. I really hope he does make this team. But now we've got Aoki, Cruz, Gutierrez, Martin. So there's four guys right there. And now out of the four – out of five guys left, Seth Smith is the logical choice, but something tells me that Seth Smith may not be making this team this year. I've got a feeling that one of these young guys are gonna, is going to take his place. I mean, first off, me, personally, I think 
I'm going to have to go with either Sean O'Malley or Boog because I've got confidence in both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and you got to throw Franklin Gutierrez in there too. The man stayed healthy and he batted well. You got Norioki in left, Franklin Gutierrez in right, and then it's it's really a toss-up. I know we loved using Seth Smith as a kind of uh, utility guy last year. He could, he could play first, he could play outfield, he could DH if he wanted to. Uh, so it it depends on how DePoto wants to use Seth Smith, if he wants to use Seth Smith, or, you know, you got Sean O'Malley or Boog Powell or, you know, even Nelson Cruz. I feel like Nelson Cruz is probably going to have more of a DH, um, DH spot this year, uh, this upcoming year. But I I don't know, man. It's Like I said, we, we're in the same problem that we had last year. We have an overload of outfielders, which isn't a bad problem to have. No, so it's, it's, it's a problem. It's not a bad problem, but it's but it's going to be very interesting. Looking here's here's the thing. This was uh, uh, the Mariners just verified this just a little while ago. So thankfully, the, the Mariners doing a great job verifying this. But let's go ahead and look at the death chart really quick. All right, let's take a look at the death chart and what we've got. And here's and let's actually go down this and and, and talk a little bit about this because this is very interesting. Um, for catchers, we've got Chris Iannetta as the first. Clevenger second, Zanino as the third string, and then Sucre as the fourth string. Now, that's something that's very interesting. Um, so that tells me that maybe, first off, Zanino's going to be in AAA. We all know that. So what's going to happen to Sucre? That's the question now. Do we actually part ways with Sucre and keep Ionetta and Clevenger, two, go- two guys who are actually a ver- very decent hitting catchers, and, again, part ways with Sucre and put Zanino down in AAA, or do we actually keep Sucre, who was, first off, a great defensive catcher last year, as everyone has saw, seen. I mean, you can't you can't argue that Sucre was one of the better defensive catchers that we've had in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, with now Iometta and Clevenger, we're kind of parting ways with the whole... Um, Junino Sucre era, I guess. I guess it was only like a year or two. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if we see a, a trade of Zunino even, depending on uh, how Chris Iannetta performs. It would not surprise me to see Zunino traded out for for somebody. Yeah, and Ryan Divis has just tweeted this, um, and it was actually tweeted by Jeff Pass, the son, uh, the source saying Iwakuma and the Dodgers have not yet uh, have an agreement. Could very well get done, but at this point, no deal between the sides have been uh, official. So there's a little bit of light at the tunnel. But again, Iwakuma is not on this roster that we're looking at. And interesting enough, here's the thing. You know how I said Tywin Walker is my number two starter? He is listed yeah. as he's listed as the number two right here on the on the death chart. We've got Felix. Taiwan Walker, Carnes, Paxton, Nuno, and Elias. Now, looking at what we've got, I like our first three guys. Paxton, I'm a little worried about because, again, he has yet to have a healthy season. Nuno, I'm not very confident with Vidal Nuno because he did not have a great season as a starter last year. And Rowenis Elias, um, Rowenis Elias from his sophomore season has was not pretty. He did not have a he did not have a great uh, 
uh, he did not have a great second season, to be truly honest. Yeah, you're right. Um, I I have a I don't I love to be honest with you I love James Paxton. I love that you know he's got he's got great stuff he's got great control he just he just needs to have a healthy season and you know he could if he could pull a Franklin Gutierrez this year and be completely healthy the whole season not the whole season but for the majority of the season I know we brought Franklin Gutierrez on late. Uh, but if he could stay healthy, he could be a dominant force, and we need lefties in the lineup because Elias isn't going to do it. No, he's not. And looking at the uh, the bullpen right here, I'm seeing uh, Guape is actually in this bullpen depth chart. First off, um, I want I want McCall Guape gone because I mean, last year was god awful in twenty in. 21 games, he was 0-3 with a 5.40 ERA, and every time he came in, I just was, I just was saying, dear God, just kill me now. I mean, he was terrible coming into the into every single game that he did. You hardly ever saw him have a have a lockdown inning. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that at all. Uh, that's something I think the Mariners, you know, we struggled last year in in our bullpen mightily, and it was it's sad to see us go from the best bullpen in baseball to to one of the worst. And and that's something I think Dakota needs to go out next. You can't you can't neglect such a big part of the the game when the Mariners were, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it feels like we lost a lot of games because our bullpen just couldn't deal with it. Bullpen couldn't hold baseball games together. Yeah, that that's so true. And also looking at the bullpen, here's the thing. Mark Lowe has been in talk with the Seattle Mariners, and I would love to see Mark Lowe come back. Because, first off, I don't know why Zarenzik let him go. I don't know why he decided to trade him. But trading Mark Lowe last year was not the smartest move that Jack Zarenzik could have done. Yes, the season was over. But technically it wasn't. You still could have made a push for the postseason, but instead you decide to trade him for Rob Rasmussen, Nick Wells, and Jacob Brent. Now, Rasmussen is in the bullpen, and first off, Rasmussen did not have a good he did not have a pretty season with the Seattle Mariners in nineteen games. He was two and one with a ten Point six seven ERA in fourteen and a third innings, giving up eighteen runs, seventeen runs. That is not good. So that's something I'm not looking forward to. But maybe Rasmussen, maybe he decided to you know work on stuff in the off season. But again, I have no confidence really in Rasmussen. But looking at what Mark Lowe did, I mean, first off, I'm very shocked that he did not that you know he wasn't an All Star really, along with Charlie Furbush. I'm going to say that. Mark Lowe and Charlie Furbish deserved an all-star spot last year. Um, Mark Lowe last year, 34 games for the Mariners, 0-1 record, a 1 ERA. In 36 innings, he only gave up four earned runs, six runs total. And that is, I mean, come on. How much good? How much better could you have gotten? But when he left to go to Toronto, uh, there was a total different story. 23 games, 3.8. 7-9 ERA. 
So obviously you could tell that something was wrong. He, maybe he might have been a little unhappy with the trade. I think, you know, a lot of things come down to stadiums too. Like Safeco Field is a great pitching stadium, and, and that's been the case even after they moved the fences in. It's still great for pitchers. Uh, I can't recall whether or not – I feel like Toronto is a pretty good pitching stadium too, but, you know, a lot of that has to do with stadium. Maybe he's bad with the trade. Or, sat, or disappointed in the trade, but uh, I don't know, man. I, he he was a great pitcher, and uh, unfortunately, and this is a separate issue entirely, uh, but, you know, us being in Seattle, we kind of get a media black hole, especially with us not being competitive for the past, well, I don't know, it's been like 15 years now. It's been ridiculous. Yeah, Definitely. Um, looking at the depth chart also for designated hitter, I mean, Nelson Cruz is right there at the top. But, you know, first off, you know, last year you should have seen Nelson Cruz. When he played in the outfield, he played better. He batted better. And he's listed as the yeah. number th- He's listed as the number three right fielder. I mean, first off, Seth Smith is the number one. Me and my, me, in my opinion, I wouldn't trust Seth Smith out in the outfield. He is a terrible outfielder. I would put Nelson Cruz ahead of Seth Smith any day. Because here's the thing, Nelson Cruz, yes, he's not as fast as Seth Smith can be, but for one thing, Nelson Cruz can make plays better than Seth Smith could. Seth Smith made a lot of errors that actually cost us ball games last year as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Franklin Gutierrez is in there as the second second right fielder. It's it's interesting to see that, that Gutierrez isn't in the starting lineup at all. I mean, I know he's been mostly a center fielder, but the transition from center to one of the corner spots is a lot easier than going from one of the corner spots to center. So I'm surprised that Goody isn't starting above Smith personally as well. You know, Goody's a, a much better fielder for sure. And I actually like Goody as a, as a hitter too over Seth Smith. I mean, I know Seth Smith... He had flashes, he had streaks, but I think Goody is probably a little bit more consistent. Yeah, I mean, for for crying out loud, I mean, here's the thing: Goody is Goody's not Goody's not a man anymore, but he sure as hell can run faster than Seth Smith can. And Nelson Cruz can actually get, have a little giddy up in his step too. But Nelson Cruz, here's the thing: Nelson Cruz has got a little bit more size, so he has a little bit more reach to him. Seth Smith really doesn't have a lot of reach to him, and really, I never seen. Seth Smith make any plays. I mean, yes, the guy actually batted well, but I mean, come on, the guy could not couldn't play the outfield to save his freaking life. I mean, we got Nori Aoki listed as the first left fielder for us. We have him, and we have him as our second center fielder. We've got Martin in center field, so that I don't mind. Aoki and Martin they can switch in left field any day, but you know, for left field, I would have this. This would be my depth chart. I would have Felix in left field. Um, or, excuse me, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, Felix in left field, or uh, Goody in left field, or Aoki, or Aoki. I, I think Aoki's going to start more than uh, Goody is. Uh, Martin, and then in center field, Martin and Goody can switch as well. Then in right field, put Aoki and Cruz together. And for designated hitter, put Seth Smith there. Seth Smith will serve a better purpose as a designated hitter than he will than an outfielder. Because, again, you know, 
let's go let's go, let me go ahead and look this up real quick because this is something I think we have to see real quick. So let's go ahead and look at Seth Smith and Nelson Cruz and look at their fielding stats for last season because this is going to be something that I think maybe people will actually enjoy seeing because, I mean, for one thing, you know, again, this is just something. All right, so let's go ahead looking up a – all right, fielding right here. So last year for – last year total-wise, uh, played 110 games, had one error. Uh, let's go ahead. So, let's see. All right, yeah, had one error. Let's go ahead and look at Nelson Cruz real quick. Fielding-wise, Nelson Cruz had a way better season, though. He had a 975 fielding percentage. But, again, you know, I guess I just really messed myself up. I kind of set myself up for that one. But here's the thing. Um, again, I'm not going to trust. Uh, Seth Smith in the outfield. I, I can't because even though that Nelson Cruz made a few more errors than Seth Smith did, Seth Smith overran baseballs and he actually had a bad time tracking baseballs as well. I mean, it was almost just, it was almost as bad as seeing Dustin Ackley in the field. I mean, if you remember Dustin Ackley, he had trouble tracking down balls and uh, racing to him as well. Yeah. You know, and, and with Goody as the, uh, I think understory Nelson Cruz is going to be a DH year-round. I think that's kind of set in stone. We have too many outfielders now, too many good outfielders. You know, we got Martin, we got Nori Aoki, and, you know, Franklin Gutierrez is a gold glove outfielder, which I think a lot of people forget. But he's got a gold glove in his in his trophy case. And so having him in right field and, you know, have his arm, uh, which is – arguably better than anybody else's on on uh that we have on the right field depth chart. So I think I think it's simple that we that the Mariners would go with, with duty over Cessnet, but we'll we'll find out come spring training. Yeah, we d- we definitely will. Looking at the first base on the depth chart, uh we've got Jesus Montero listed as first and then uh Wilkins listed as second. Uh Alex Will or Willikins, excuse me, uh, or Andy Will uh, Wilkins, excuse me, Andy Wilkins from the White Sox. Uh, first off, Andy Wilkins didn't have a great season last year. Uh, had very had some pro had some problems hitting, but let's go ahead and look at his minor league stats. Not even not even that. I mean, he had he's got some good minor league stats. He hit two ninety three in Triple A, so that means he's. I mean, he needs a little time to adjust, but I mean, still, I. I I I think I would take Andy Wilkins over Jesus Montero a little bit because, I mean, first off, Montero, he did great for us last year. I'm not going to argue that. Jesus Montero, he had a good season last year. Um, The average could have been a bit higher, though. 223 batting average, not the best that we've seen from Montero. I mean, since his rookie season with the Mariners, he had a 260 batting average in, in 2012, but then he goes ahead and goes 208, 235, now 223. So, really, Montero's average is starting to slip. So that's something I think Jerry Depoto needs to look at. And also, looking at the the uh, depth chart, I'm seeing Chris Taylor still on this roster. And first off, I'm going to say this. Uh, the year before that Taylor was on this team, batted 287. 
He had a great batting average. He had the patience up at the plate. But this year he came up just anxious as hell. No plate discipline, not one not one bit ever. And Taylor seemed to make a little bit more errors than Brad Miller did. But, of course, you know, at shortstop, you got Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte is going to be our shortstop, no doubt about it. Um, and with the leadoff hit or spot, uh, possibly Aoki is going to take that leadoff spot, and Marte is going to be the, the nine hole. So, first off, I'm not – I'm actually a big fan of that. I wouldn't mind Marte being in the nine hole because, you know, that means you got a speedster in – to start your lineup, and you got a speedster to end your lineup. So I'm not, I'm all for that, and I actually like that idea because and they even said it in the Aoki press conference as well. Yeah, you're right. And uh, you know, I'm looking at this roster, and the only the only weakness I really see, honestly, on paper, which is a lot a lot different than in reality, unfortunately, is that first base and and maybe right field. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how Boog Powell does down there. We'll see how everybody performs. But uh, if Montero can can pick up the bat and maybe start hitting a little bit more home runs, I think he'll be a solid. He'll be an acceptable, acceptable use as a as a pitcher, or not as a pitcher. Sorry, as a first baseman. Definitely. And I gotta I gotta say this, man. We first off, I gotta see this real quick. Let's go ahead and look at the last um, – let's go ahead and look at the last four weeks, okay? Let's see. Let me go ahead and look at the schedule that we had here on the podcast. So the first podcast was on the 15th of November. All right, so let's go ahead and look at that. After the 15th of November, we saw – the day after the podcast, we saw Leonis Marte, the Anthony Bass trade, and then we saw – Let's see. We saw Boog, we saw the Boog Powell uh, get the contract from the Rainiers, and then we saw, or no, that was uh, actually after the next podcast. The twenty second was the, was after that one. So after the twenty second, we signed Chris Iannetta, and then just this past uh, just this past week, you know, we get Ioki. So every single week, it seems that we make an even bigger deal. It seems that DePoto makes an even bigger deal than the last. And, you know, for one thing, I think we're, we're good luck. I think this podcast is nothing but good luck because it seems every single time that we end this podcast, we seem to see a bigger move than the last time. And we also see... And it's always on a Monday, too, it seems. Like, it's always the day afterwards. Yeah, it's always, it's always the day after. <laughs> but... Again, you know, we not only see Jerry DePoto making great moves and great trades and signings, but we also see Jerry DePoto looking at what this team's weaknesses are. He is take he is, and also here's the thing: um, he also just traded Jose Ramirez to the Atlanta Braves for a player to be named later and cash. Good choice, good deal right there. We get a player and we get some cash, so that's a good positive right there. But Jose Ramirez was part of the Ackley trade. In my opinion, Jerry DePoto, I've said this I've said this numerous times, Chase, and you've heard me say this. I think Jerry DePoto is doing everything in his power to get rid of every little bit of trace that Jack Zarensic has done to this ball club and has totally screwed up this ball club. I think he as is he should have. As he should be doing, because 
our DMs are have been cracked. We've been cracked. Sorry. Sorry. Jack Z, I love your last name. I can't spell it worth anything. But you're not a good GM. You weren't a good GM. Well, it's time for you to go. Exactly. And first off, let's go ahead and look at this. Uh, let me see if I can find this really quick. Um, we had Howard Lincoln. We had Howard Lincoln as our uh, general manager up until, I want to say, 2004. And then, of course, we had Bill Bavese. And ever since Bill Bavese, this team has started slipping. And, you know, first off, um, Bill Bavese, I want to say this, Bill Bavese did nothing but destroy this team. He took, He ripped apart every single little bit of, he took, one player, one player that actually was had a humongous and I mean amazing potential to be. Uh, uh, don't say his name. Bad I'm not, luck. I will not say his name, but I will say this. Okay, this is going to be a big comparison, but he traded a player that had the potential to be the next Ken Griffey Jr. Not power wise, but superstar wise in Seattle. But not only that, Bavese just made moves that made absolutely no freaking sense. And and then of course, and, and then of course, course, wondering the, the player we're talking about. I think you probably know, but we traded Eric Bedard for him. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. God. I, I'm just I'm I'm starting to get him. You're just making me. You're just giving me a migraine just thinking about that. But. Yeah. All right. Looking at this, first off, um, I will say this, okay? Um, there was one year where the Mariners had a chance to be, re- I mean, where they really did have a great chance at, you know, making the postseason, but, and it was in 2007, okay? We had good players on this team. We had Jose Guillen, Jose Vidro, we had. We did have Adam Jones, uh, who was making his way up. And the Mariners were actually in contention. But I will say this. The reason why we did not win, why we did not have, uh, why we had a terrible second half of the season was because um, Mike Hardgrove gave up. Mike Hardgrove decided to say, hey, I'm going to call it quits right here at the half of the season when we're 10 games over 500 or 11 games over 500, and I blame it on the, on, on the front office. I think, here's the thing, Hardgrove said that he left to be closer to his family. I don't believe that bullcrap one bit. I think that is a lord, load of horse shit because, first off, Mike Hardgrove, I think, left because of the managing of the front office, and I blame most of that on Bill Bavese. Yeah, you know, and here's the interesting, here's an interesting uh, little fact for you. The only player that was on the roster uh, in 2007 that is still on the roster, I should be obvious, guess who it is? Felix Hernandez. Yep, there it is. Yep, but of course, you know, 2009, Jack Zarenza Here's the thing, Jack Zarenza, he had a great he had a great signing season in 2009. He signed Ken Griffey Jr., then he uh 
He had Mike Carp come over along with Indy Chavez and Franklin Gutierrez. He had Russell Brannion. First of all, and, and, and then he signed Sean Figgins. First off, Sean Figgins did not have a good 2000, 2009 season, so I'm going to just put that out. Figgins didn't have a great season, but I will say this. The Mariners in 2009, perhaps, I'm not going to say came the second cl- – they were more close or let me let me let me go ahead and rephrase that. Sorry about that. Um uh, two thousand nine they didn't sh- sign Sean Figgins, they signed him the next year season. But two thousand and nine was the closest that the Mariners came to making the postseason before two thousand and fourteen. In my opinion, two thousand and fourteen was the closest Jack Sorensic ever came to the postseason. And the reason why I say that because Jack Zarenzik came within one game of the postseason in 2014. The Mariners in 2009, they slumped. They had a terrible losing streak in September, and they just completely flopped. And that's, yeah. what, caused, that's what caused the meltdown. But again, you know, Jack Zarenzik, he's come close to the postseason twice. 2014 was his, la- was his only good shot that he really had. And, yes, yeah. Yeah, you're right, and I think the fact that he he performed so poorly this year is not well. The players performed not well, but the fact that Jack Z couldn't get them to perform well uh, was was part of the reason why he got fired. Yeah, and and first off, here's the thing, Jerry Depoto, what he's been doing is from the moment that he came into this came to this organization, he said this. I think what he did was he went into the front office and said, okay, here's where we are right now. After after today, this is where I want to be. All he has done has all he's done is come in, make great signings, make great trades to improve this team. This team is possibly more ready to to compete for the postseason than ever. And I'm going to say this, they're even more ready than 2014. In 2014, we had a great team. But this year, we have an even better team. Yeah, on paper, you're, you're 100% correct. But we all know what happens to what happens when, on paper, you're voted to be the AL wildcard, or not AL wildcard, AL um, World Series contender last year. So... Yeah. I mean, we you're right. We have such a we have such a better 100%, 1000% better team this year. 1000% better team this year. We we've got players that have consistently performed and have consistently been maybe not superstars, but all-stars uh in their own right, uh even if they didn't make the team. And that's, you know, that's that's how you succeed. You get players that can play consistently well. That's just it. Yep. I full-heartedly agree. All right, so that's going to be enough Mariners talk. We're not going to be doing any uh, – well, we'll do a little hockey coming up, but after that we're going to go ahead and get into Seahawks post game. we got a lot of talk to, about Seahawks, but we'll possibly talk a little bit of hockey, but after that it's all Seahawks from now. So we'll take a quick short break, and when we come back we will get straight to the Anaheim Ducks and Thunderbirds, and, of course, we'll get into Seahawks post game. So we'll be right back. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me I ain't 
But hey, we are back here on Seattle Sports Talk uh, Radio. I am your host, Mike, and I'm, of course, I'm joined by Chase. And uh, Chase uh, commented saying of how I uh, uh, loved playing Rush at the start of the podcast. And yes, I did drop drop horse shit on, on the podcast. And trust me, Chase, trust me, Chase, I actually know that one. All right. I mean, sometimes it's with that. You know, my radio show, I have... I have dropped a, a swear word or two without realizing it, and we've had to we had we've had to dump that so that doesn't go live over the airwaves. But uh, I understand, man. It, it happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We we do apologize if we. I mean, first off, if we uh, drop, you know, the real serious uh, profanities. I mean, you know, other uh, kind of the small ones are okay, but I mean, yeah, we do want to watch out the the serious ones, and I do apologize for that one. But uh, hey, we're getting on uh, Seattle. Seattle Thunderbirds hockey, so let's go ahead and pull up 
their week and see how they did. And, of course, not a lot to talk about due to the fact that they only had a very short schedule. I think they only played two games this uh, past week. And I will say this, though. uh, One game this week was perhaps one of the ugliest performances I've ever had to see or listen to the Thunderbirds. And, yeah, we only had two games this week. And on Friday, the Thunderbirds, oh, boy, the Thunderbirds just, took a major dump in losing 7-1 to to the Spokane Chiefs. After the first period, the Chiefs led 4 to nothing. went on to score two more in the second and one more in the third, winning 7-1. to And uh, and let's go ahead and see for Spokane. We had, uh, we had Adam uh, Hello, uh, Hello, uh, Helloica, I think. I... I I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the names, but he had a hat trick in this one. But uh, Chase, this one right here got out of hand right off the bat. This was an ugly performance. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked about last week about Logan Flodell being our preferred goalie, but, you know, with, with Taz uh, Berman in there, he, he gave up three, and Logan gave up four in 20 minutes, less than that, and only a little over a period. Uh, it, I don't even know, man. Like, how does this happen? It did. It did just happen. But, I mean, you know, this one, th- that was a game that we really are not going to discuss. I mean, we're not going to go ahead and get into this one. Again, we only have, like, a short time of hockey right here. But let's go ahead and get on to, uh, you know, yesterday's game. First off, the Thunderbirds bringing the Stanley Cup to Kent. The actual Stanley Cup to Kent. And, of course, they had a Seattle Metropolitan's throwback day. Um, first off, I loved it. I loved the concept, and they won. That's what was the best part. They wore the Seattle Metropolitan's jersey. They won in a good fashion. They scored a goal in each period. But here's the thing. In the first period, the Seattle Thunderbirds outshot the Tri-City Americans 11-1. to Now, that's something that you can really take and say, we did a damn good job at defending only allowing one shot on goal in the first period. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's that's not something that I don't think I've ever seen professionally or semi-professionally uh where, wherever, you know. It's it's a uh, it's not a uh not a common occurrence, that's for sure. It it is it definitely isn't Matthew Barzell in this one two goals in that one, with uh, Keegan Colasar assisting on one, and then Jared Hoff put the third goal away with uh, Gropp and Be- and Colasar on the assist. But uh, you know, this was a, this was a game to where again, you know, it was a throwback day. And the fact of the matter is, is that they wore jerseys that were uh, that was just you know it it, it brought back amazing memories because. I mean, just come on, man. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is that they wore the Seattle Metropolitan jerseys, the first American team to ever win the Stanley Cup, and they go in and win. That just made it. That just made it a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, anytime the team does goes goes throwback jerseys, you can't help but uh, feel a little bit of nostalgia 
And the fact that the actual Stanley Cup was in there, I don't know how they got it, first of all. That's impressive. But uh, the fact that it was there, and uh, it was inspiring, I, apparently. You know, to win 3-2, to two, you know, score, score that, that final goal in the third quarter with uh, 18, with, you know, not that much time left. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But again, before we actually get into the... Before we get into the Ducks, let's go ahead and talk about this. I mean, again, the Seattle Metropolitans. I mean, that's just something that I think a lot of people were saying, hey, this is something that we missed. You know, the again, the first ever American team to ever win the Stanley Cup. They go ahead and... Uh, they go ahead and win in a great in a great fashion. Again, I can't I can't argue with this, but I think they were doing this not only just as a throwback day, but to maybe even say this to the NHL: Hey, where's our team? We miss our team. Bring back our team. Let's go. Let's have Chris Hansen build a stadium already. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, come on. Out of, out, of, out of the entire, here's the thing. Out of the entire NHL and in the entire, you know, United States, what team or what city does not deserve a team more than the city of Seattle? I mean, come on. We have been waiting for a team. We want a team. But the NHL thinks that Montreal needs a team more or Las Vegas needs a team more. First off, Las Vegas can't hold anything. They cannot hold an NHL team. That is not a place to where you want to, you know, that's not a place where you want to. With all the betting down there, I wasn't even quite sure any place was even allowed to put a team down there thanks to, you know, how much betting goes down in Las Vegas and, you know, how much money is involved there. It seems pretty easy to, to get that team involved in a scandal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but, I mean, again, let me ask you this. I mean, first off, and uh, by the way, Corey Perry just scored for the Anaheim Ducks, and so the Ducks and the Pittsburgh Penguins are now tied in the second period one-to-one. So thank you very much, Corey Perry. And so we got a 1-1 tie there. We're not going to be able to cover the rest of the game. But getting on to back to the city of Seattle, first off, let's let's talk about this. The NHL is something that people have wanted in Seattle. You see of just how, you know, dedicated we are to the Thunderbirds. The Thunderbirds are a very small team, but you see of just how dedicated people are to going and watching actual hockey being played in this state. Now, if you were to build an arena, NBA or NHL, doesn't matter. Just imagine of how many people will pack for the first game and continue to pack that stadium constantly. And let's uh, and, and and speaking of the NBA, let's talk about this. You know, they're saying some people are saying that oh, if you build the arena next to the, you know, next to Safeco Field, they're not you know the parking's going to suck. The parking already sucks. <laughs> let's yeah, get, every let's, time I go to a Mariners game, I park like a mile and a half and away south, and I just walk because there's no. I mean, there's a parking garage. There's a couple parking garages down there, but I just walk just because it's easier. Yeah, but first me, I take the bus down there. I don't park, so I don't, I, and I don't need to pay for that money. But here's the thing. Um, 
it won't matter if if you build an arena there. The parking will still suck. But here's the thing: you say, oh, some of the people say, oh, the, the city cannot ho- cannot hold an NBA team along with an NHL team. What makes you say that? What makes you say that the city of Seattle cannot host two of those teams? First off, people have been asking for a NHL team. You don't think that we can host it? Okay, fine. Don't don't give us an NHL team. But then what are, what are the fans who are saying that, hey, we want an NHL team supposed to do? And then, of course, with the NBA, we, for God's sakes, Hanson has offered to pay for this stadium to get for this arena to get built, and and here's the thing: the, 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 these idiots in the Seattle uh, Congress thinks that it's not a good idea. I mean, come on! The city needs the NBA, and they certainly as hell need want it. They certainly want it. Yes, they we want it, but again, not only do the fans want the NBA back, we certainly want the NHL to come here. And I will say this, do you want to know how much money the city of Seattle will get for, whole, for getting two more teams, the NHL and the NBA? You have, you have a soccer team, you have this, an NFL team, and you have a baseball team, all three right across the street from each other. Imagine if you had an NHL and an NBA team just about maybe a couple blocks down from there. That is you're talking about you're talking about a billion dollars coming into the city of Seattle, and you're talking about over you're talking millions and millions of dollars getting spent on sports memorabilia, jerseys, everything with these teams. For crying out loud, we have the necessary stuff to hold to hold both teams. We have the necessary stuff to hold all five major sporting uh, teams. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know the it, it would be quite something to to have all of them back together. You know, I miss I miss my Sonics. I was gonna buy season tickets if they if the uh, Kings ended up coming up here, uh, which unfortunate it's really unfortunate that they ended up staying down there. But uh, you know, I we'll see what happens, man. We, we will. I you're you're stealing all the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and get on to the uh, the Anaheim Ducks. First off, uh, only three games this week, but first off, the Ducks start out the week in a great fashion, taking on the Vancouver Canucks and dismantling them. I will say that, dismantling them. And Josh Gibson, i got to give him some credit. I love Gibby. Putting on a shutout for the Ducks in this one. 4 nothing. the final score in this one. Uh, Sean Horkoff, Richard Raquel... Jacob Silverberg and Corey Perry all getting goals in this one. Ryan Getzlav uh, getting his 15th assist in this one. Uh, Kessler getting his eighth. So, first off, really the only guys that are doing well in scoring is Corey Perry, really. But, you know, Getzlav and Kessler, they're not really having that great of a scoring season, but it doesn't matter. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that this was a great uh, game to watch, really, for the Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, it it really was, and you know when they when they put put together such a good scoring performance, such a, a complete game, it's uh it's nice to see. And really quickly, I have to tell you that I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, so I'm looking with this game, and I I'm I'm rooting against the Ducks 100. percent 
I'm tired, but I am. Yeah, definitely. Let's go ahead and listen to some of the highlights right here. Let's go ahead and listen to Sean Horcroft's goal in the first period right here now. There you go, Sean Horcroft getting the goal one minute and 19 seconds into the game, actually. And uh, I will say this, that was actually a really good goal by Horcroft. I saw it, like, as soon as Horcroft got the puck, he shot it right dead on it, which is a good snipe shot right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I was actually, I, I caught some of that game the other day when it was on and I didn't, I didn't see the goal specifically, but you know, good hockey, good hockey is good hockey. And they, they put down a, they put down a good performance right there. They did. They did. And with, uh, with actually three seconds left in the period, let's go ahead and listen to uh, Rickard Raquel's goal right here with Vatnam and Getzlav on the assist. There you go, uh, Raquel's goal, power play goal, actually. So there's, so there's something right there, um, is uh, is good for the uh, for the Ducks. They actually score on the power play because here's the thing: they are they have not been good on scoring on the power play this year. They have been terrible at power play goals, and it was actually really good to see to see them get that one there. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, power plays are, are are one of those cannot talk statistics you look at uh, when you you know when you're looking at how good a team is. You look at how often they score when they're a man up, uh, and the fact that they're not doing so well this year is is, is kind of pretty. Um, I can't think of the word right now. It kind of it, it tells you how much of a what their season is like so far. Definitely, definitely. And let's go ahead and listen in to the third period where uh, let's go ahead and listen to J- Jacob Silverberg's goal to make it three nothing real quick. There you go, Jacob Silverberg making it a uh, a uh, a three nothing game there. So uh, I mean, again, you know, and of course Corey Perry getting the getting the uh, unassisted goal uh, about seven minutes later. But again, this was n- this was definitely a good game to watch. Yeah, you know, and uh, like you said, man, the the Ducks they're trying to pull their season together. They're ten and twelve with five draws and. It's still early, you know, and I'm going to be saying that until it's late in the season. It's always early. There's always time, but uh, they're they're doing a good job of of coming back. They're, I mean, they're 
they've they've been they're five hundred it looks like one two three four five in their last five out of the last ten looks like so they're they're working their way back up there definitely after that game they uh day a- or a couple days after that they lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning two to one on Star Wars night so. Uh, unfortunate there, they couldn't get the win. But the other, but the other night, I actually did watch this game in full. I watched the whole live stream right there, and the Ducks getting a getting a one nothing victory over the San Jose Sharks, turning them into sushi. God, I love God. Do I love winning against the San Jose Sharks? A freak, freaking made them made them into sushi. That's what I love. Oh yeah, <laughs> sharks and sushi, man. I'm I'm not a big fan of sushi, anyways, but. Uh... I've, I've I've had a soft spot for the Sharks a little bit, but it's great to see you know the Ducks pulling out a game that you know you don't you don't see a lot of shots. You didn't see a lot of shots, and you know only one goal the whole game. Uh, so you know great they had a great job picking their shots in that game and uh, and coming out victorious. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and take another quick short break right here. Um, when we come back, we're gonna go ahead and get into the Seahawks post game show. So, again, we will take a quick short break, and we will return momentarily.
And welcome back to Seattle Sports Talk Podcast. I am Mike, and of course I'm joined also by my co-host Chase. And Chase, here's the thing. That song right there just described the day for the Vikings. They were totally on a highway to hell to begin with, and all it did was just turn into hell all throughout the game. Oh, I love seeing it, though. I mean... I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought the Vikings were going to be a little bit more competitive. I thought the Seahawks were going to have trouble containing Adrian Peterson. And Ted, Teddy Bridgewater's coming into his own a little bit. And to watch the Seahawks be as dominant of a defense that they were, reminiscent of, you know, without the interceptions, reminiscent of the team from two years ago, is, was, was really great to see. It was. And here's the thing. I, I, I've said this from I, – I said this a lot of times. You even heard me say this, but – First off, again, I have no idea why how that team is eight and four. But here's the thing. I think it was um the fact that Adrian Peterson wins them most of their games. And if that is true, then it's truly sad of how this Vikings team is relying on one guy just to win them all these games. Um, Adrian Peterson is a singular talent that, you know, the that the the Seahawks have in in Marshawn Lynch, and I think the C, you can say the same thing is that Marshawn Lynch over the past couple of years have won the Seahawks plenty of games on top of the defense. So, I mean, yeah, you can rely on him, but you can't rely on him too much, and that was proven today. Exactly, and again, you know, it's again this this is not this this is a this is a team sport. You cannot go through every game winning. You know, winning games just by you know, you know, with one player, that doesn't help. Yeah, doesn't... you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And the Seahawks showed that the the, the Vikings don't have enough receiving enough receivers to uh, to be competitive against a team that can shut down the run like the Seahawks did, um, and like many like a lot of teams are capable of doing in the NFL. Definitely. Let's go ahead and take a listen in on the. Uh, let's go ahead and take a listen on some of these. Or actually, we're not going to have any highlights today, but we're gonna we're definitely going to just be talking about the Seahawks and just what they did today. And first off, I mean, you know, this is just something that was incredibly impressive to watch. I mean, a thirty-eight to seven performance. Again, you know, people said that this game was only was going to be like a seventeen to fourteen game. Seahawks definitely proved that wrong right off the bat. And I will say that it, it was fun to watch the Seahawks play like the old Seahawks. They played like the old Seahawks, and they played like they played Seahawks football. Plain and simple, they played Seahawks football today. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it, it was, you know, it's great to see the the defense performing so well, and the, the offense was. Their offense was spectacular. Their offense is like we haven't seen it in a long time. You know, the, the Seahawks for the past, I don't know how how many years, have relied exclusively on their defense uh, to win them ball games and to, their defense scoring points for them. And to see Doug Baldwin, you know, what is it now, five touchdowns in the past two weeks? Yep. That, that's incredible. That's, you know, that's, and he's closing in on 1,000 yards. I think he had another over 100-yard uh, receiving game. 
Tom Rawls getting 107 yards and a touchdown, and, and without Jimmy Graham, you know, it's 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 great to see our offense winning ball games. Yeah, it is. And uh, by the way, uh, Doug Baldwin now has 778 total receiving yards and eight touchdowns, and so basically all he needs to do is average, you know, a little over 70 yards in the next. Uh, what is it? Next four games. Yep. Yeah, next four games, and he will be, and he'll have a thousand yards, and he needs two more touchdowns to have ten. And here's the thing: see, the Seahawks have not seen a one thousand yard, ten touchdown receiver since Joey Galloway in 1998. So Doug Baldwin is having a season that no Seattle Seahawk wide receiver has had in nearly two decades. That's that's really something to be proud of. And and Doug Baldwin, I was, you know, he was talking earlier about, you know, he had the nickname Angry Doug for a long time. And and he just stopped caring. He stopped caring and went and go played football, and now he's running routes. He's getting open. Russell Wilson has so much faith in him now, more than he probably ever ever has before. Um, and, and it's showing. And, and, you know, I've always said that Doug Baldwin was – was clutch. He's clutch in the sense that he was always there when Russell Wilson was needed him. He was always there when Russell Wilson's scrambling and, and throws the ball to the sideline, and Doug Baldwin will catch it and tiptoe in, just barely get in for a for a completed catch on third down. And it's great to see Doug Baldwin really becoming a maybe not a star receiver, but a a receiver, a clutch receiver. End of story. I'll say this. Let me go ahead and put this out on right here on the podcast. I've said this many times about Doug Baldwin, and here's what I think about Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin, in my opinion, is the most underrated player in the NFL. Or, excuse me, let me rephrase it. The most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Doug Baldwin is a amazing receiver. You give him plenty of to you give him plenty of time to develop, and look what he's turned into. He has turned into a guy that you can rely on, and last week he caught eight catches for 145 yards. He's nearly, he is close to 1,000 yards. This is a guy who has been doubted all of his career, and now he is showing what he is made of. And I'm loving this because I just love the fact that he is proving those haters and those doubters seriously wrong about him. And also, let's go ahead and look at the NFL right now in uh, in yards right now, looking at where Doug Baldwin ranks. Doug Baldwin actually is ranked, go ahead and see Doug Baldwin, where is he? Doug Baldwin is the 22nd leading receiver in the NFL. And in touchdowns, let's go ahead and see where he ranks at. Doug Baldwin He's tied for seventh in the NFL in receiving touchdowns with eight. So here's the thing. We have not seen a wide receiver like this for the Seahawks in a long time. And, again, it's just so amazing to see Doug Baldwin develop like this. It's 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 just – it really – it's just really – I don't know. It's It's hard to explain. It's truly hard to explain because it's just – Amazing to see a player that has had so much doubt put on him, and now this season he has come out and just 
said, you know what, I'm coming out this season not just for my team, but for myself. I want to prove everybody wrong. And he is showing that with, I mean, he, he can be definitely put into uh, the top 20 wide receivers in the NFL, in my opinion, right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think easily he's he's up there in the top. You know, like I said, he's always there when Russell Wilson needs him, and he fits in the system as a guy who, you know, doesn't need a lot of catches to be happy, which is great. Uh, you know, not like I, I lots of love for Golden Tate, but the dude needed uh, the dude needed to catch more balls, and he wasn't getting that here. Uh, as in a, in a run-first offense like the Seahawks have. Yeah, definitely. And, of course, Thomas Rawls, who has been one of the more impressive players to even watch, now who leads who leads the NFL in rushing uh, yards per play with 5.6, now with 786 rushing yards. I mean, th- this guy has only played – this kid has only played, what, five games? And he's put off over, let's see, okay, he's played 11 games, but really he has started five of those games. And he has just, he's pounded out 786 yards. This is amazing. It's amazing to watch this guy run. And he did it again today with 101 yards, 19 carries, 5.3 average, and a touchdown. And let's go ahead and talk about Russell Wilson, too. First rushing touchdown of the season. And here's the thing. I'm going to say this. I don't think I said it last week, but Russell Wilson this week earned that paycheck. He earned that $84 million paycheck. He was playing like the quarterback we saw from the beginning. He was playing with some heart. He was playing like he actually had his head in the game. And it's about damn time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he finally put Sierra out of his mind and football back in it. <laughs> there you go. And let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Tyler Lockett. Seven catches for ninety yards. Tyler Lockett in the past couple weeks has been used exclusively, and he's all he's done is. And here's the thing: he's actually uh, really taken a lot of uh, attention away from Doug Baldwin, and that's good because teams are more focused on guarding Tyler Lockett. And, you know, if you're going to pay attention to Tyler Lockett, then Doug Baldwin's going to get wide open, and he is going to hurt you. But I want to say this about Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett has uh, a wide receiving job permanently, and I think that Jermaine Curse is out of a job. Uh, nothing against Curse, but, uh, you know, Curse has just had a season that he really wants to forget. Yeah, me and my friend Bree were talking about this uh, during the game that it Curtis drops like forty percent of the passes thrown his way. It's 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 bad. It's real bad. And you know, he yeah, you can argue he comes up clutch from time to time, but uh, but honestly, you can't be dropping you can't be dropping critical third downs. You can't be dropping as many passes as as he does, which is a shame because I like the guy. But, uh, you know, football is a, is a business, it's a, it's a sport, it's competition, and when you're not giving the, your team the best chance to win, it, it may be time for you to go. Yeah, I, I 
think that it is time to uh, cut Curse loose. I mean, first off, I love Curse. I really do love the fact that he has had success with us. But, I mean, I think it is time to finally admit that, you know, we've got to cut Tyler or Jermaine Curse loose. But speaking of wide receivers, let's go ahead and talk about Paul Richardson and the fact that he has been placed on IR for the second consecutive year, uh, I believe, with a hamstring. And and first off, people are saying that uh, that he has been a wasted pick, that he has been a, a that he's been a very disappoint he's been a huge disappointment for the Seahawks. And first off, I kind of agree with that because of the fact that. Richardson has been very injury plagued and he's kind of, he's kind of exactly like Percy Harvin to be truly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. And we don't, I don't think we need him. hundred percent honest with you. I mean, it'd be nice if he could be healthy and Jermaine and replace Jermaine curse. But, uh, you know, there's always next year. I don't think we necessarily need another wide receiver we don't use them that much after all so yeah there's that well i full heartedly agree with you i mean we do have tyler lockett we got doug baldwin we've got bj daniels i mean uh and here we go we got another update from you we got uh, nate thompson the former or no chris stewart on the assist from former thunderbirds nate thompson assisting on the goal, and it is two to one Anaheim Ducks. So we got the Ducks ahead right there. So how about that? We got some good news right there. But getting on to what we were just talking about, um, you know, we've got these, we've got real, we got some special guys on this team. But it's the fact that we have too many wide receivers. We 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 honestly do. I mean, we got Baldwin, Daniels, Curse, Lockett, and Lockett, and Richardson. Now Kevin Smith. But you know. First off, I think Ricardo Lockett, I think it would be in his best interest to retire at the end of the season because of that injury that he suffered. Uh, Paul Richardson, he's injury plague. we gotta get, we got to let him go. So that leaves Kevin Smith, Lockett, Kirst, and Daniels, and Baldwin. So there's five other guys. But I think what we need to do is place Kevin Smith ahead of Jermaine Kirst and also B.J. Daniels because here's the thing. I mean – you, you you just got to look at it from this point of view. I mean, Curse has dropped a lot of passes, and that's been his problem his whole life. Is he has dropped crucial catches or crucial passes or yeah, crucial passes in in, in games. Yeah, yeah, and I'd like to see more of the guys under Curse before we just up and take him completely out of the lineup. But but you're right. He needs to be replaced, and with who we'll find out. But but it needs to happen. Yeah, it does. Um, I don't think I don't think we've seen enough out of everybody else to say definitively that Curse is the worst out of the, the remaining people oh, on the roster. I I agree with you full heartedly there. I mean, Curse is definitely not the best wide receiver we have. I mean, I, I will say this. I'm glad that he's made the catches that he did to send us to the Super Bowl, but it, it's just not working out with him, and I do believe that we really need to, you know, cut him loose because it's just not it's, – it's just not working. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> End of story. Yep, definitely. So, uh, getting on to this upcoming game for the Seahawks, we're going to have, uh, let's go ahead and see, who do we have next week? We got the Ravens. We have the, is it the, it's the Ravens or the Browns, one of the two? Uh, let's go ahead and see. We, I believe we have the Ravens. So let's go ahead and see right here. But either way, let's go ahead and talk about this. Uh, the yeah, fact the Ravens. The Ravens? All right. The fact of the matter yeah. is, is we have the better team. And I'm not expecting yeah. – I'm, here's the thing. Uh, I'm, expecting, I'm expecting the same outcome as we did today. Yeah, you, you would think so. You would think so. A team of four and eight that lost to the Dolphins today, fifteen to thirteen. That you know they've been playing better recently, and they're well, they're one and three against the NFC West, or one and two against the NFC West this year, and hopefully we'll make it one and three. Uh, but they're just they're they're not a good team. They haven't. They haven't played well all year, and with the way that the Seahawks are playing, having won, is it four straight now, or is it five? Four. I think it's five straight. Is it? Okay. Well, you know, the fact that we're winning as many games in a row as we are, that our defense has come to life, I can't say I'm expecting a blowout like it was against the Vikings, but I, I expect, I expect to, uh, to win this fairly handily. Definitely. I, yeah. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Seahawks win by double digits. No, I, hey, you hit the nail on the head right there. I, I've, I've got full confidence in this team that they can do that. Uh, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Seattle Sports Talk podcast. But you can, of course, join us next week at 7 o'clock. So it's going to be the seven, or it's going to be the same time that, or the regular time that we usually have. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be me and Chase signing off saying go Hawks. Go hot. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.